At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, Warner Brother Low, welcome to Wolfie Las Vegas for Coast to Seats with myself, Craig Eves Peters, and now part of the Beast and Family Podcast. We've got an excellent podcast for you guys. We're getting a nice look at some East Coast basketball in segment number two. Joe Budzelik, he does a great job over at his blog. Stretching the floor.blogspot.com is going to be joining me. He's doing an amazing job taking a look at these mid-majors in the northeast part of the country. We're going to be talking about whether or not Fairfield is going to be keeping things consistent with their slow style this year after Jay Young was let go mere weeks before the start of the season. We're going to be taking a look at the landscape of the Atlantic 10. Going to be taking a little bit of a look at the Metro Atlantic as he was actually in attendance for a few of Fordham's most recent scrimmages, so we're certainly going to be diving in on that team, taking a look at some of those New York teams that are mid-majors as I'm pretty bullish on Fordham, I'm pretty bullish on St. Bonaventure as well. So a lot of A-10 talk, a lot of Metro Atlantic talk, and he's also going to give some love to a few mid-majors out towards the Midwest and the West Coast part of the country as well. So we've got a great chat coming up with Joe in segment number two. Here in segment number one, we saw a few pieces of college basketball news to be mindful of to help us get set for the upcoming season, and we're going to round those up. And for anyone that is looking for conference previews, I've already done a specialized conference preview for all 32 of the D1 conferences on this podcast, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever your podcast, just scroll down. You're able to find all these labeled by conference. So we've got you guys all covered there. And here in the final six or so days before the start of the college basketball season, we're just going to try to make sure we know what we're getting with regards to these rosters, any last-second changes, so that way we can make this the most profitable college basketball season ever. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. And I will address this question because I've gotten it quite a bit over the last 24 hours. When can we expect the day one lines for Monday, November 6th to be coming out? I would say at most books, it'll probably be that weekend of like very early to mid-Saturday is probably my guess. You might get lucky. They might post these up late Friday, but typically they're up about 48 hours before the first college basketball games of the season. That would be my expectation. Might be a little bit before, might be a little bit after. Like, and so I remember in 2020, they got posted up early, early, but that was, as you remember, the COVID year and 
People were so bored that they were betting on camel racing. So I would say about 48 hours before the tip-off of the college basketball season. That's a little bit of a guess, though, as some books might be willing to be daring and post these up a tad bit earlier. But let's take a look at what we all did get in college basketball Monday. This is not with regards to this year's college basketball, but next year's Cooper Flag. He is the number one ranked player in the class of 2024. He's heading into Duke, and Duke is going to be a juggernaut next year. That is going to be something that I talk about much more on the podcast in future months. It does not affect this year, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But do be mindful, Duke doing a very, very good job on the recruiting front, and they are going to be a force for a very, very long time. That should shock absolutely nobody, but did feel like we needed to mention that. This one is of a little bit more significance. Houston is probably going to be without Damian Dunn for the early part of the season. He is currently, and I air quotes here, out indefinitely with an ankle injury. That is something that you do want to be having on your radar because we actually have seen Houston do quite well as a very sizable favorite in the early part of seasons the last few years. You've got a guy in Calvin Sampson that does absolutely incredible work of getting his team focused, just having them pound these teams into oblivion. But for Damian Dunn, I expected him to be a big part of the backcourt, someone that Calvin Sampson has a lot of familiarity with because he would go up against him twice a year in the AAC last year over at Temple. Mr. Dunn got her done with about three assists, 15 points per contest, a relatively good defender that was able to shoot in that neighborhood about 35% from three-point range. And I still do have Houston as one of my best teams in all of college basketball. Even with Dunn being out of the fold for a little bit, you're still going to be relying upon Jamal Shedd, LJ Cryer. Cryer is a very good three-point shooter, but that does affect the depth a little bit. You've got to think that Ramon Walker is going to be seeing some more minutes. I would expect Emmanuel Sharp to be hitting the floor a little bit more as well. This is not necessarily the biggest team as well. Like, you got... Javier Francis, who is going to be seeing quite a few minutes, but this team is going to play positionless basketball. This team, one through five, always does a good job of being able to rebound. I think that Calvin Sampson is going to be able to take this loss in stride. And we remember with Houston, when they had Marcus Sasser and Draymond Markout at Christmas time two years ago, they still were very nearly able to make a Final Four. So if there is a coach that is able to mix and match with regards to pieces that he's got, it is Calvin Sampson. It is something to be mindful of. But I'm less concerned with Houston dealing with this sort of an injury than, say, a lesser coach team. This is good news for Clemson. Jack Clark is a guy that I've been talking about a little bit on this podcast. He's been dealing with a bit of a groin injury. Six foot eight gentleman that did a solid job of rebounding within the ACC last year at NC State. About 9.7 rebounds per contest, and he's fully cleared for basketball-related activities. We don't know if he's going to be full go for night number one, but he has been cleared for college basketball activities. And for Clemson, the schedule for them towards the beginning part of the season probably not going to be the world's most daunting. They lead things up opening night against Winthrop, which Winthrop has been a very good mid-major team, but they have fallen on some tough times recently. That game against UAB, though, that is one that you want to be mindful of. UAB, not quite the same UAB as last season, but they're going to be quite feisty. Boise State is another big game on November 19th to be mindful of as well, so they could really use Jack Clark towards the early part of the season. We shall see if they are going to be able to get him back very early on or not, because on Thanksgiving as well, they're going to have to face off against the Alabama Crimson Tide, so Clemson really does have a relatively tough schedule towards the beginning part of the season, so they could use Jack Clark out there on the floor, so that is some good news for them, and this is a rough blow for Kansas State. Nikwe Tomlin 
He is going to be out indefinitely. He was arrested on Monday. I did not catch what the arrest was for, so I am not going to be levying any sort of an opinion on that front. I am just going to present the fact that he has been arrested and he is currently suspended indefinitely and I will not go any further with that. So I will try to see what the details are once I get off this podcast and if I have anything additional, I will let you guys know. But that, what I do know from a college basketball standpoint, is not good for Kansas State as they're going to be leading things off night number one in lovely Las Vegas against USC and they have a lot of new guys in the fold because no longer are you going to be able to rely upon Marquise Noel giving you seven plus assists per game. We all know what Keontae Johnson was able to do, and Arthur Kaluma, he's not going to be able to fill his shoes. I know that there's a lot of people buzzing about Arthur Kaluma, and I think that he's going to be a good player, but there's just no replacing that dynamic duo that Kansas State had last year. I do think that Tyler Perry going to be able to go for a good year, but he's not too much of a distributor as well, and I do fear that this is going to be a little bit of an isolation offense, and now without having Kamala, who I thought was going to be their best rebounder this year, you've got David and Gesson. I always say that last name wrong. He's so that six foot nine is able to pop threes. He's really the only player that is going to be seeing meaningful minutes that's above six foot seven. This is going to be very much a small ball lineup. They're going to need Quez Glover to be able to get out there on the floor as he was supposed to go to BYU and then he decided that he was going to be going to Kansas State. Cam Carter is going to be someone that they rely upon quite a bit as well. Lots of moving parts from a season ago. So I've got my question marks with Kansas State and how they're going to be looking towards the beginning part of the season, though. I know if there is a coach that's going to be able to do a good job of maneuvering, it is Jerome Tang, but that is a rough blow for a Kansas State bunch that is now going to be looking very small out there on the floor, but a man that always comes up big for us, that would be Joe Buzlick. He does great work over at StretchingTheFloor.blogspot. He is going to be joining me next, and we're going to be getting a lot of Northeast love on this podcast. We'll take a look at the Atlantic 10. He was at Fordham scrimmage against UMBC over the weekend. We're going to get his thoughts there. We're going to be taking a little bit of a look at the Metro Atlantic, what to expect from Fairfield with their coaching change, and so much more. That's on the flip side here on Cuscozzi with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the PC Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. Las Vegas for Coast Cassis with myself, Greg Eves Peters, and now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man, Joe Budzelik. He does a tremendous job taking a look at the great game of college basketball. He's based out there in the Northeast co- part of the country, covering all things college basketball over at his website, stretching the floor block dot blogspot.com. I know that he is very locked in with what we're seeing in terms of the Atlantic 10, the Northeastern Conference, the Metro Atlantic, so much more. If you're a fan of hoops out there in the Northeast part of the country, Joe is your guy. And ironically enough, he is coming at me after covering the Fordham scrimmage. And you're able to follow Joe on Twitter slash X at STF underscore NCAA all together. And Joe, great to have you aboard. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me, Greg. Thank you for joining me. And Joe, just alluded to it on Sunday. You were over there at Fordham taking a look at their scrimmage, what we all got over there. And first things first, very nice. That that was one of those scrimmages that actually had some money raised for charity. That is something that you do love to see because you got a bunch of the anti-air quotes here, secret scrimmages that they're really not too good as secrets because the results do get out. But I mean, what did you take from the UMBC versus Fordham scrimmage in which I think that you were mentioning to me a little bit off air was a bit closer than you expected. To be honest, like Fordham's returning a lot of players. The big thing with Fordham is how are they going to replace Darius Cuisenberry and Khalid Moore who graduated last year. So really my eyes were on just kind of how the team would look with a lot of their scoring gone from last year. It took some time, uh, but as the game went on, Fordham started to gain momentum from UMBC and ended up with the victory. And how did, I always say the same wrong, Yafat Metter look in this game as well? Because I know that there was some speculation as to whether or not he'd be able to get the, out there on the floor for Fordham. He was transferring over from UTSA. Wasn't a two-time transfer ordeal, but it was one of those academic things. He was cleared by the NCAA just mere days earlier, and I believe that he had a big game in this one as well. Yeah, thank goodness he got his waiver cleared. Um, he scored 23 points in this game. Uh, I believe he scored 14 in the second half when UMBC was in the lead. There were moments where he just took over the game. He had two straight dribble drive, penetration drives to score. And then after like a thunder dunk from UMBC, he came back and had a couple mid-range hits as well. 23 points, seven boards. Two steals, two assists, hit one three out of four attempts. Did a little bit of everything. He's a one-for-one replacement for Darius Cuisenberry. Hard to imagine that he's going to replace his production fully, but similar type of player, three-level scorer, aggressive guard, gritty, could attack the basket, can dish as well. Uh, I think a lot of his assists this year will come from penetration 
and then kicking out from there. He was really impressive, especially in the second half. And that is going to be massive for a Fordham team that is in an Atlantic 10 that I think is relatively up for grabs. As Joe Buzzlick, he does amazing work over at searchingthefloor.blogspot.com. is joining me right here on Cusco Soups. And with the Atlantic 10, Dayton was voted the number one team in the preseason poll. I personally have Dayton as my projector or finished number one team. No real surprise there. But I feel like after that, it's very wide open. And I think Fordham, along with St. Bonaventure, a pair of teams out there in the great state of New York, they can really be teams that compete for that top three, top four, especially with VCU now being without Sean Barristow. I'm not sure how you take a look at the landscape of the Atlantic 10, but I really feel like other than penciling in Dayton as a top two, top three team, I feel like this is a wide open conference in which we can see a lot of teams ascend slash decline. And I think we could see a lot of volatility in terms of the standings. A buddy of mine told me that almost every team in the A-10, their fans could pretty much say that they could be as good as second in the conference and as worse as the worst team in the conference. There's a lot of variability in the conference. I know a lot of A-10 fans want this to return to being a multi-bid league. I don't know if this is the year for it, but there's definitely some teams at the top that are excited to watch and to see what happens with them. We know Fordham, we just talked about them. Their foundation is going to be defense. It was electric and their defense is led by Kyle Rose, who's one of the best glue guys in college basketball. You mentioned VCU. I mean, VCU, they brought over Ryan Odom from Utah State. So obviously, like, John Barstow is, is going to be part of their offense. He's out till at least December. I don't really know how that team's going to look. I can't question VCU right now. They do bring a lot of talent coming in as well. And you mentioned St. Bonaventure. Like, I know Mark Schmidt is known for really, really short rotations. But I wrote a piece about this earlier this year where this is probably their deepest squad that they've had in a long time, especially in their backcourt. They have five guards who could possibly start for them between Kyrell Luke, Daryl Banks III, Charles Pry, Mika Adams-Woods, and Moses Flowers. All five of those guys could start at a variety of teams all across D1. So the Bonnie should be great this year. I believe last year they entered the season with 99.8% of their scoring gone from the previous year. This year, they returned 90% of their scoring. A lot of continuity, and they added Mika Adams-Woods from Cincinnati and Charles Pride from Bryant to make them even deeper in the backcourt. And that's something I've been mentioning throughout the offseason as well. The fact that you just alluded to it with St. Bonaventure. They did lose 99.9% of their scoring a season ago, and this year they returned so much of it, and I think that that is going to be massive as well. And I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on this team since they are a little bit outside the area, but they certainly are an Atlantic 10 team. But we saw George Mason have a scrimmage over the weekend as well. I believe that that was the West Virginia scrimmage, in which you hope for absolutely nothing but the best for a cook, a cook, a guy that has spent some time out there in the northeast part of the country. Very scary situation there. But I think that George Mason is a relatively interesting team, one that I put in the middle of the Atlantic 10. And I feel like they might be the real wild card in this conference when it's all said and done. I was catching a bit of that game. A player that really showed me something in that game, and he was one of those players who also received a waiver being a two-time transfer, was Woody Newton. He played uh, Oklahoma State last year. He was a Syracuse commit. And I didn't know who who he was when I was first watching the game. And I'm like, who is this guy who was blocking shots, kind of wiry, long arms? Almost reminded me of like Trayvon Brazil from Arkansas. And then I was just like, this is kind of an exciting player. So yeah, Woody Newton's like 6'9", 200 pounds. Could kind of do all sorts of stuff on the floor. It could be a defensive disruptor. He was one player who, re- who really kind of showed me at the game against West Virginia. I and mean, to be honest, I know it's an exhibition game, but I kind of had George Mason favorite going into that game. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but 
And West Virginia is not a strong squad this year. But back to George Mason. Yeah, they, they have a lot of new players. Amari Kelly from Duquesne played last year at UNC Wilmington. Darius Maddox from Virginia Tech. And back to the MAC, Jared Billups is one of the best defensive players in the MAC last year, a 6'4, 200 pound power guard who could really defend one through four. Real pain in the butt to play against. Their new head coach, Tony Skins, one of the rising stars in basketball, only 40 years old. Mason's definitely has a lot of new pieces, so it might take time to kind of gel for all of them, but they looked good against West Virginia. And you alluded to their coach and Tony Skin, very much a George Mason guy. He was a part of that team that made the Final Four now. He very nearly costed them that NCAA tournament bid with the, shall we say, cheap shot that he gave in the CAA tournament to those that remember the George Mason run remember that very very well but I mean with Tony Skin I do think that he's doing a solid job and he was an assistant at very very many notable places I still remember what he did at Louisiana Tech a few years ago that was good as well so I'm right there with you on George Mason as joining me on the show we do have Joe Buzlick he does great work over at searchingthefloor.blogspot.com and joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soups and you alluded to the Metro Atlantic for a second and I do have to ask you about this because I know that you've been doing some very good coverage with regards to what we might get out of Fairfield this year and I am very fascinated by it because Jay Young as we know he was a coach that was entering the season on the hot seat well he's now off the hot seat because he is no longer the coach at Fairfield they're going into an interim coaching regime at this point and what are your overall expectations for Fairfield because they've been dealing with some injuries. They brought in a very splashy transfer in Alexis Yetna that if they could get him to be firing on all cylinders, that would be big for them. But at the same time, it is a Fairfield team that, as we know, they've played very slowly the last few years. And you have to wonder if there might be a little bit of a tempo change and a little bit more of a change of pace in general for this team. Yeah, I mean, under Chris Casey, I expect Fairfield to play faster. That's by design, but also just due to injury. As you mentioned, Alexis Yetna is out until who knows? He has a knee injury. He's had injury issues his entire career. And then last week, they had a kind of injury bomb go off with Barima Sec, a 6'11 transfer from New Mexico, who was going to start for Yetna until he was healthy, at least until he was healthy. He's out for the year now. So the only player on Fairfield that's taller than 6'7 is freshman Peyton Smith. I guess he's going to start for them. He's not going to play every minute at center. So they're going to have to do some interesting stuff where with the other remaining guys on the roster, only none of them are heavier than 205 and none of them are taller than 6'7". So I'm expecting pace, maybe some zone for the small ball situation because kind of reminds me of what happened at SMU. I think it was two years ago where they had 6'5", like 210 Marcus Weathers playing center for them. There's going to be players playing out of position for Fairfield this year, but in a way that might be a bit of a blessing in disguise because as their front court gets healthy, they're going to have a lot of players that are used to kind of unique situations, making them more versatile, also more athletic. And I just think there's going to be a lot more scoring this year. One of the worst shooting teams and actually one of the worst passing teams in Division One in Jay Young's tenure. So like you mentioned, Jay Young was on the hot seat. Apparently the weather in Costa Rica was a little too hot to kind of <laughs> have him return or whatever that means. But yeah, under Jay Young, they were a tough defensive team. They were really great on perimeter D, but I expect this year's Fairfield team to be faster paced by design, but then also just by circumstance, they're going to have to rely on pace and shooting and stretching the floor. They shot as a team 28.5% from three last year. That's bad for a high school team. That's got to improve. We have some weapons. James Johns uh, Jr., who's the son of the assistant coach, James Johns. He was recruited by 
you know, high majors early in his recruitment. He was ranked within 24-7 composites top 250 ratings. Bryson Goodine only played four games last year. He's, he was a transfer who played at Providence and Syracuse prior to that. One player I'm particularly curious to see how he does is redshirt freshman Michael Rogan. He's out of South Kent. He's kind of like a small ball four. His head coach from high school, Rafael Chilius, he said once he hits a three, once he sees a three ball go in, it's kind of hard for him to miss from there. They're going to play small probably till December. From there, we'll see what happens. Looking at their non-conference schedule, it's going to be a tough stretch for them in the non-conference. But then the good news is by the time Mac play rolls around, they should be starting to get healthy. And that is going to be so critical because I do take a look at the Mac, and it does feel like, much like we were talking about with the Atlantic 10, a pretty open conference. I do think that I own it, despite the fact that they've got all those moving parts, the fact that they brought in Tobit Anderson, who I have faith in him as a coach. He did it at the D2 level. He obviously did it at Fairleigh Dickinson last year. I think that he's going to be rock solid over there at Iona this year. But I just take a look in terms of conferences. And if you're looking for a conference in which a team could go from worst to first, the Sun Belt is always a good candidate. And I feel like the Metro Atlantic might be one of those candidates as well, because I don't think that there's a lot separating the teams that a lot of people are projecting as the top teams and the bottom teams within this conference. Yeah, I mean, even Manhattan, they had a pretty solid exhibition uh, this weekend as well. Ryder is getting a lot of love in the MAC right now. They return Mervyn James, Mervyn James, who's a top all MAC player. They bring in TJ Weeks from UMass. They bring in his brother Tyreek Weeks, who was a stat stuffer at Miami Dade Junior College. Uh, if I had to guess my money would be on Ryder, but Ryder, Iona, like I'm not going to sleep on Siena, uh, Quinnipiac, their front court looks great. If their backcourt could stay healthy and um, just really impressed because they lost a lot of talent this offseason, they could they can make noise as well. Niagara has a lot of pieces and Paulus has done a good job there. I could see the MAC just being one of those conferences where the top team is 10 and 5 in the conference record and the bottom team is 5 and 10. I'm just estimating on the numbers. It should be fun, competitive. I don't know if the talent level is as high as we've seen the league before, but in terms of excitement and the standings changing week by week, that should just that should be something that definitely makes the league pretty exciting this year. I think so as well. I think with the Metro Atlantic, like you alluded to, I don't think that you're going to be getting some sort of like a bona fide 12 seed or anything like that for the conference winner in the NCAA tournament. But in terms of excitement, and Metro Atlantic typically plays a lot of those games on Friday, so you're able to catch quite a few of them during conference play. I do think that it is going to be a lot of fun to be able to gauge as Joe Budslick does tremendous work over at searching the floor.blogspot.com is joining me on Coast to Coast Soups. And Joe, want to open it up to you because we've talked quite a bit about the Atlantic 10. We've talked quite a bit about the Metro Atlantic. And I know you're doing a tremendous job getting set for a college basketball season that we are just under a week away from getting going. I know that you're excited, much like I am. But in terms of just all across the country, it could be in the Northeast. It could be in a conference that we've already talked about. It could be just any one of the 362 D1 teams. (laughs) As you've been doing your analysis the last few weeks, is there a team or two that... The more that you look at them, the more you feel bullish about them and the more you like them. There's too many to pick from. I'm going to go totally different. I mean, this is the Coast to Coast podcast. I got to go on the other side of the country now. I'm actually flying over to California later this week. I'm going to go with UC Santa Barbara. AJ Mitchell's 
probably the best guard. If you've never heard of him, he's probably the best guard you haven't heard of. He's a real just 6'5", 190 combo bucket getter point guard. They bring in Johan Trior from Auburn, who was like a top 50 recruit last year. Cole Anderson's a sharpshooter. Josh Pierre-Lewis is just a crazy athlete who played at Temple prior to this. They could be the next big 12 seed. They've been consistently good for a few years now, but this could be the year that they not only make the tournament, but make some noise in the tournament. I'm also curious about Drake. They're just a fun team to watch. Their ability to go from a classic low post big from Darnell Brody, and then they have DeVries, who's like basically is their de facto small ball center who's only six seven but then he could hit threes from anywhere they're a really unique squad if they make it out of the missouri valley conference they could be a pretty dangerous team in march madness one other team i I wrote about earlier this summer i don't know if they'll make it out of the socon but if samford could surpass Furman as the top team in the conference they're a blast to watch buckyball they just let it shoot from deep over and over again and they play fast it's just a fun program to follow so if they make the tournament i could see them kind of being like the next Oral Roberts as a team that just jacks up a bunch of threes and kind of win games 110 to like 95 or something like that. So that'd be a fun squad to pay attention to as well. That is going to be a fun team. I still remember when Bucky McMillan, he was doing some high school coaching out there in Alabama a few years ago. He vowed to really be pushing the tempo with Sanford. We've seen it come along and Hey, he's been able to produce some very nice sound. We all know about Quez Glover. He's going to be, be he's going to be playing in the Big 12 this year. He had some nice results over there. I like this team's backcourt. I think that all in all, they're going to be a solid team. And also an agreement on UC Santa Barbara as well with AJ Mitchell and company. Got to see them in person out here in Henderson, Nevada, when they were able to clinch their bid to the NCAA tournament. So it's going to be a tremendous year. Joe, you're doing an amazing job covering all things college basketball. I know that you've got a little bit of a leaning towards the northeast part of the country, but you do a great job of gauging pretty much the entirety of the landscape of this sport that we know all know and love. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yes, my Twitter handle is STF underscore NCAA. And you can find my blog at stretchingthefloor.blogspot.com. And yeah, mostly I'm focusing in the Northeast, but I'm always curious about all the mid-majors all over. Should be a great season. Looking forward to it starting next week. Absolutely. We are just under a week away from the start of college basketball. Joe is fired up for it. I am fired up for it. It is going to be an absolutely tremendous year. So a big thanks to Joe for joining me on Cuss Cuss Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you like hearing from this fine podcast, Cuss Cuss Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, do you have one of two ways we are for those in? First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNRS41. Keep in mind, letters M. If it does not matter, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We are just six days away from the start of the college basketball season. As I mentioned up top, if you're looking for a specialized conference preview, wherever you get your podcast, just scroll on down the feed of the past podcasts, and you're going to be able to find whatever 
conference preview you are looking for, and I'm with you guys every single day on this podcast these last few days of the offseason, just looking at the news of college basketball, seeing who is slash is not going to be out there on the floor, and trying to unearth some edges from some great guests like Joe who joined me today that maybe I wasn't taking a look at before to get us all set, and then once we're in season, picks and analysis on every single game, every single day, involving two D1 teams. I do have to mention that because when you get D1 versus non-D1, those do not get listed up on the betting board, so I do apologize in advance on that front, but it is going to be a tremendous season. We're going to make a bunch of money. We're going to have a bunch of fun, and I'll be with you guys every single day, much like I'll be with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.